Señores, thank you so much once again for accepting my invite. One more time, I'll tell you that I'm very excited about today. Um, actually, it was an idea of one of my friends that said, you know what? With COVID and everything that's going on, you, you should actually interview people that interact with COVID on a daily basis. You guys being first responders, of course, um, you interact, and that's what I really want to talk about today. I want to make sure that whoever's listening gets some value from this. All I ask is just, just be yourselves. Again, this is a conversation, so let's, let's get started, guys. And again, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Nice. Okay, pues vamos a empezar. Tell us, guys, give us a quick intro on who you are and what you guys do. We'll start with Christy. So my name is Christine Tejeda. I am currently the pediatric ICU manager at El Paso Children's Hospital. But um, prior to, to a couple months, or October of last year, I was the education manager for the facility. So I've been there for about five years now. Wow, okay. So tell us a little bit more. Like how long have you been in this current role? Um, I started as the ICU manager uh -huh. in October. Okay. Um, but I, so my background, I've been a nurse for eight years, mostly in, I did pediatrics, um, I did adult PACU, I did pediatric home health, and I went back and I got my master's degree because I really was wanting to inspire the next generation of nurses, right? How do we elevate nursing in the community to the next level? So I got my master's in nursing education because I wanted to be able to teach um, nurses. And from there, I've just done leadership roles. Um, the current department that I work in, so the pediatric ICU, we work directly with uh, the patients, the pediatric patients that are diagnosed with COVID. So those patients, we have them on our unit. Wow, we're definitely gonna talk about that. So thank yeah. you so much, Christine. Jose Luis, go ahead, sir. Well, uh, my name is Jose Luis Salas. I'm currently the Infection Control, uh, Infection Prevention and Control uh, Director for El Paso Children's Hospital. A little bit of a history. Whoa. Um, uh, in 23, I'm going to be 20 years in nursing already. Yes. Oh, congrats. Yes. I started at 18. So I was one of the first, to, um, I guess, the first programs here in the city as far as um, from the LVM program. Uh, that we graduated directly from high school. You graduate as a nurse. I remember very well. Which high school, by the way? Bel Air. Okay. Bel Air Magnet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go Highlanders, right? <laughs> um, but um, it was interesting. I remember the first week of being working as a nurse. I remember the patients like, are you sure you could do <laughs> what you're doing? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so now it's been 20 years since that. Uh, in 23 next year yeah okay. i'll go on 20 years already doing wow. nursing tell us a little bit about your current role it sounds very fancy tell us exactly no not exactly but give us uh, an overview of what you're in charge of what are some decisions you, you you make on a daily basis talk to us a little bit about that well for the most part i feel that infection prevention and control is one of those um behind the scenes departments uh, sort of like if you want to think about it in, in layman's terms, like uh, a theater show, right? Okay. There's that production in the back. You're, you're you're looking at the guest and everything, and everything has to operate smoothly so everybody could see the show appropriately, etc. But we're behind the scenes to make sure that everything remains steady. In other words, we're doing active surveillance, uh, perform um, of any of the positive micro that comes into the facility what can we also do as far as uh, minimizing the potential risk of the pa of infection amongst patients 
but not only patients, I have to to see the overhealth, um, the well-being of the staff, as well as the over-well-being of any visitors that are coming into the facility. Ooh. So... I know that right now it's reminding me one of the things that I when I do education on the employer orientation and I remember watching the Lion King do you remember that part where um, where it's Simba and and um, Mufasa. Mufasa where they're looking at the prairie and they say uh, look Simba everything uh, okay, that yeah, the yeah. light touches is yeah. gonna be yours so that's the responsibility of infection prevention uh, and control we have to be looking at the food that's being served served in the hospital uh, to how it's being disinfected as far as all the equipment, the linen uh, that it meets the, the the degrees of disinfection, hand hygiene that the nurses are disinfecting their hands that they have the PPE that, and then we also have to look at the devices. Uh, Christine, that's where we really merged a lot together when I joined the organization, and she was very welcoming me joining on the team. Um, we have to look at the central lines of the devices, any device that you get placed, Foley's, central lines, ventilators, all those are components that I have to oversee to make sure that there's no risk of infection. Uh, because the longer the device stays in, the higher the risk or the probability that you might develop an infection. And not so much that you came in with it, it's just that you'll develop that infection while in the hospital. Well. Okay, we I definitely have a lot of questions for you. I once again want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I and I mean this as well, but I want to thank you as being first responders. You guys are there. As I think about uh, how my life has changed since COVID, it has changed a lot. Um, but when I compare, like kind of like the the things that I don't like to do, or maybe some of the new duties that I have to do because of COVID. Like nothing near you guys, and you guys are heroes, to be honest with you. <laughs> now, um, by the way, so you do a lot of for, um, forecasting, a lot of, um, of course, um, in the future, looking to the future as far as possible cases, possible spikes and all that. Mm-hmm. We definitely cannot talk about that. I just want to recommend you the, the episode with Ricardo Samaniego. He talks about that, and I'm like, oh, okay, because we, we okay, again, when I say we, it's like, the common folks, like, we, we don't, like, think about, hey, but I'm gonna, like, maybe right now the decision, we don't like it, but it's being done or maybe because of something that's going to happen or we're, again, thinking that might happen and we want to be prepared. I, I, I listened to you it. You did? Yes, yeah. I'm halfway oh, through it nice. right now. And it was in September Yes. where he was anticipating that, hey, you know what, right now we're good and so forth. And, and now that you reflected, and look, right now we're standing on January 20th, 2022. And we are seeing one of the biggest spikes, yeah. uh, and not just locally, but yeah. across the nation. Yeah, te digo la verdad, I really thought that that was the last time I was going to talk about COVID. With, with, uh, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> we'll talk about I it have a really good example. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely go over that. Now, another reason why you guys are here, which I <clears throat> need, need to share with you guys. For Christmas, I got COVID. It's been, t- I never, I like two years, COVID free. And I, again, I interact with a lot of people, Merry especially Christmas. because, especially yes. because of that. So thank you so much. And I'm like, wait a second. Cause I like all those variants that we're going to yeah. talk about that. Like you hear, I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. You don't know again as, as me, like as far as like what to listen to, who to listen to. So I'm like, tan locos. But then when I got that, I'm like, wait a second. I haven't gotten in two years. And then kind of like some of the symptoms I had with the, my Christmas COVID, like, oh, okay, now I'm a believer on, on variants, so mm-hmm. very interesting to talk but about But I have that. a question, though. Yes. Are you vac- you're vaccinated? Of course I am. Of course so I am. that's one of the things that you got to say that, oh, great, because that's uh-huh. what helped 
as far as for you. I don't know what the symptoms you had probably in December, right? But probably mild. Very mild. That had not probably been the case prior to you getting it prior to vaccination. Why do we still have, and I have Facebook friends. No, I actually have friends that even go to my house that are 100% against the vaccine. Mm -hmm. They really think that the government's tracking it. Well, maybe not this guy that I'm thinking about Cifuentes, by the way. But a different uh, friend that they think that, no, you know what, we're guinea pigs or something might happen. And I get it. But at the same time, kind of like there is data now. So what are your thoughts on vaccine? Let's go ahead and move on to vaccines. Let's go for it. It's interesting, though, because I think part of that is the misconception that it's like a new vaccine and that there was very limited testing. Mm -hmm. There was very limited. And that's not necessarily the case. So I just wish that there was more information about how the vaccine was developed and that that was more widely available. And I know that you touch on that, on how the testing and stuff had started years ago. Yes. Well, um, years ago, uh, correct. Come again. Well, let me give you a little bit of history. Yes, please. It. It's like, yes, we hear coronavirus, right? Yes. And everybody's like, why are we calling it Corona? Oh, my God. Poor the uh, beer industry. Yeah. Right. But they're like, they're going to suffer on this. But no, coronavirus has existed pre. Yeah, I mean, since the beginning of, 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 of humanity. Wait, 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 wait. Me estoy diciendo que wasn't this chinito that ate no. a dragon. I mean, a vampire. <laughs> what was it? A bat? What's going on here? No. So okay. we have different st- strains of coronavirus. Okay. So you have your common cold coronavirus, mm, which I is like the one you get, right? And then you have your SARS coronavirus, mm-hmm. which is what we're currently expecting, uh, experiencing. So um, if you recall back, in, I believe, in the beginning of 2000s, uh, we had, um, which was uh, SARS-1 uh, in like the main the COVID, right? Yes, I'm the trying bird to... flu, I think, is what they would call it. Yes, no, that was the swine flu. No, the swine flu. That's the one from. Oh, that one's Ma- also related. That's another one. Yeah, okay. but I'm trying to remember the one. It's the one that we, the, the the right now that just went off my brain. I apologize, but it was back in 2001, 2003, around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was to be able to be contained because why we have the World Health Organization, um, so they're able to contain it. Right, so that it never left China, uh-huh. and so that's epidemiology. That's infection prevention. Is that's that's that realm. That's those professionals to ensure that you know what it keeps encapsulated and it doesn't. It's an epidemic within the region, but it's not a pandemic, and that's why right now we have a pandemic, which is worldwide. Okay. Um, so great, we we didn't have it didn't spread right, and then we had the. Um, Middle Eastern, as far as coronavirus, SARS, that's another one. And as far as SARS, it's because that's it. Christine actually, we, it was a great podcast that, we, that explains it. It's called uh, "This Podcast Will Kill You." I recommend it for this you guys. This podcast be, will kill you. Yes, it's Got a great it. podcast okay. as well. Just I don't know if I nerds. could only the nerds that yes. love infection prevention. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so it, it explains it more in depth as far as like how it affects, but. Again, we had that in the Middle Eastern. It was called MERS, right? MERS um, coronavirus. Again, you don't hear from it. Why? Because it didn't. It stayed locally. And again, the World Health Organization really uh, zeroed in and fought it out. And that's how they started so, in some way working on. So since the early 2000s, they've been working on on vaccine, on vaccination. 
Um, and so unfortunately, there's no funding on this. Well, so what happens? If you're not affecting globally, and uh, como decimos con el mm -hmm. perro, eh? yeah. it's like if you're, it's not affecting those global markets, then there's no funding for it. There's really, um, and I could give you that in previous, in, in a personal experience. I have an under, my other degree is in, in biology. And so uh, there's another disease over there for Chagas disease. And there's a vaccine that's almost already finalized in our local uh, at UTEP uh -huh. with one of the professors. But unfortunately, it's it's going to stay there in a sense because it's not really affecting anything. There's not you know a I mean? big need like yes, there is right now. in South America, yeah. there's a huge need for okay. it. You know, what I mean? but unfortunately, it's not affecting globally. So that's what sort of happened to like the vaccine creation of of where we're currently right now. Until now, you affect a whole system. Now there's endless funding into making this vaccine. So technically, like the basic infrastructure had been there, mm -hmm. and that's why we were able to create it and actually bypass certain things because they've already had certain research from this uh, coronavirus or this SARS. Or wow. Okay, that's but unfortunately, uh -huh. it doesn't get educated on. That's why people are like, this yeah. is a new vaccine. And, and, and I get it where they might have reservations yeah. into yeah. receiving it. I had to, it's one thing to have reservations. I had reservations. I was like, I'm healthy. Again, I got in December. Like we're talking about like the first COVID wave. Um, and I had reservations. I was like, well, I'm healthy. I'm okay. And I have, it's been maybe six months, a year, and I haven't gotten sick. So I, I'm okay, right? But what made me or motivated me to get the vaccine is like, I was seeing other countries, like people fighting to get it. Y yo nomás por payaso, I'm like, bro, just, just get that, right? The privilege yeah, that we have just, within our just get it. country. And again, that's why I'm so excited about today to hear from experts, people that deal with COVID on a daily basis, instead of seeing a post from China or from, from Missouri or Michigan about maybe something that happened to a specific person that perhaps might be fake, quien sabe. And now that person, because of that video that they saw or that meme or that picture, Oh, look, guys, this is what they want to do to America. To, like, it's going to influence. I mean, there's so many but things But it can going. be very detrimental. Yes. You know what I mean? And I was listening to NPR where one of the physicians relating a story where he says that right now with the current spike, that mm -hmm. the majority of the people that are hospitalized right now at this, mm -hmm. at this current state is people that were not vaccinated. Is it? A, a, let me interrupt you. Is that happening in El Paso as well? Yes. Majority, it's people that are unvaccinated, um, that they're being hospitalized. But the sad part where this physician relates is where he's indicating, hey, um, now the family is like asking, can you vaccinate them? But at what the patient's already intubated. You yeah. know I mean? It's already too late as yeah. far as the vaccination to occur. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm, I'm so glad we, we talked about that. And again, we're going to continue talking about that um, as well. But okay. just to end that, at least that piece is, si fuentes, please, vacunate ya, déjate payasadas. Christy, on, when, when, it comes to, when it comes to children and vaccines, how do you feel about that? Like, yeah. it, I can like, totally respect people having um, reservations, absolutely, because I'm a parent myself. Mm -hmm. I have two children, so I respect people, you know, having reservations. What... Um, I would I what I wish people knew is I think there's this misconception that COVID doesn't affect children. I see it all the time. I think I still I think we both still have the bad habit that we still read the comments. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I aspire yes. to be like those celebrities that are like, I don't read the comments. But 
Um, I think I still read the comments. And sometimes, to be honest with you, it's frustrating because there's this misconception that... But then you want to reply, right? To, hey, yeah. okay. But I, I, we absolutely don't reply. But um, it's frustrating because there's this misconception like kids don't get sick. For the most part, kids, it doesn't affect children. And so I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm like, walk through the halls of our unit and tell me that kids are not being affected. Um, come talk to these parents who are in an ICU for 30-something days whose child is intubated or has a chest tube and had no previous medical history um, and tell me that kids aren't affected. So absolutely, the, the day that the vaccine was available, my kids were first, you know, wow. first one of the first ones that... I'm so glad I asked you that, and I'm glad, of course, that you have kids and that you are first to say, you know, my kids are getting vaccinated. You're someone that deals with that on a yeah. daily basis. Correct. And I think it's interesting because, you know, sometimes we're obviously every parent is concerned with what they, you know, put into their kids and mm -hmm. things like that. But then, like, you know, they eat McDonald's. We give the, you know, kids yeah. soda, all these crazy things. Artificial, artificial preservatives, you know. That we know that there's research behind. Of course. Of yeah, there's like tons of research telling us, you know, the detrimental effects of things like soda yeah. on kids. But yeah. so I think that that's just unfortunate. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I think we have had the majority of the pediatric patients that we have had some that um, because not all the kids get sick that get COVID. Not all of them. Some of them have mild symptoms. You have to understand that asthma is pretty prevalent in our community. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids in our community have underlying respiratory conditions like asthma or obesity, things like that. Um, so it's important for those kids to be protected. But a lot of the kids have no underlying conditions and they just get really sick because we don't know how their immune system is going to react to these things. They're little. They've never been exposed to these viruses and pathogens. And right now it's pretty tough because it's also our normal respiratory season. So mm -hmm. the fall, winter, all the kids are all mocosos already. You yeah. know what I mean? It's We're already busy. So it's kind of a hard time to compound it on top. Yeah, and, and that was me before, by the way, uh, with my sister. I have older kids now. But then uh, it was like, no, pues los niños no se enferman. They'll be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, wait a second. They, they do. Maybe it's not as severe. I don't know. What is one of the biggest differences? Of course, it's not as severe because they don't have as many underlying issues as adults, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. What else? Why, why is it well, that it's it, that's the difference? interesting, though, but I think that we haven't been seeing this for long enough in children. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that is still not, it's not going to be clear for a while until we've researched this enough, is we have kids that they have strokes, right? No mm -hmm. underlying conditions. Um, other children who, let's say they go into DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis, mm -hmm. or children that have multi-system uh, inflammatory diseases, right? Like inflammatory process issues. And then you test them and they test positive for COVID antibodies. So it's really hard to be able to say, did COVID cause these complications like the stroke or mm -hmm. like the diabetes, like onset of type 1 diabetes? We don't know because these you know it's too soon to be able to absolutely say no this did not result in you know this kid having a stroke two months after he was diagnosed with covid because it hasn't been studied it long enough so me as a parent why am i going to take that chance why would i take that risk if i could just vaccinate my child yeah now does the same thing work um meaning with adults have you seen the same thing that uh, children that have been hospitalized are they also the majority not vaccinated are you also seeing the same trend as adults yes 
how the majority of the children that we see. Give me a percentage, please. Oh, I. Just uh, no, like, it doesn't have to be accurate. Just I give would me say seventy thirty. About seventy. Uh huh. Seventy percent okay. of the the patients we see, they were unvaccinated, and the really really sick ones, uh -huh. they're probably about eighty to ninety percent unvaccinated. Wow. We have noticed that the ones that are vaccinated, they probably don't have a severe symptoms. They could probably just need a few, maybe respiratory treatments and things like that. Um, I'm, uh, I think I know what the answer is, but let me ask you: recently, or even since COVID started children passed away due to COVID like that you were taking care of? Yeah, in the city we have absolutely had children and that's not, that, that is absolutely being reported. If you look at the city data that is presented on a AP daily strong. basis, you'll AP strong. They absolutely have that you have seen. Because um, that data, like, of, of course is there and, and I know teenagers. it's a fact, but I've been teenagers. I, I, just uh, like that you have been that taken I've known care of, of yes that i've known of um they're teenagers that have passed away did they have underlying conditions was it what was it can you expand a little bit on that case without saying names of course um so these patients have been taken care of by my peers i mm -hmm. won't say that i took care of these patients personally but this these patients do have underlying conditions and so if you think about it vaccines for children haven't been around as long as they have been for adults mm -hmm. so is it different the vaccine though or what what what, what do you mean by that it's the, it's so the, the same vaccine not it's the, the adult it just yeah, hadn't been dose. approved oh okay the dose uh-huh okay. they had to do testing to see what dosage was going to be able to be approved for children and so it's a smaller dose for children and it's always challenging as far as when it comes to children yeah. right Nobody's like, here's my child. Let's yeah, put them on this exactly. study. And that's one of the things that we see when it comes to healthcare yeah. for children. That's across the board. Yeah, Vaccines, even devices, like yeah, all devices. Uh, yes, everything. Even solutions that you use to bathe them and so forth. There's very little. Um, it's it's. There's not a lot of studies out there as opposed to like in the adult setting when it comes to healthcare yeah. uh, care. Because you're not going to get a lot of people saying like, hey, use my kid as the test subject. Yeah, and I wonder if it's cultural or just maybe doesn't matter that we're used to like kids always get sick, well, regardless, yeah. no? So we're like, no, si lo, si lo tienes, se le va a quitar. And yeah. again, without really thinking, analyzing, thinking, hey, bro, just just do it. Because again, if I, I'll be 100% honest, if I'm hearing this from you, that again, you work on a daily basis with COVID yeah. in a hospital that you're the first one to say, if my kids are getting uh, vaccinated, yo le digo a mi hermana, hey, vacuname esos niños de bola. You know what I mean? And that's what I want instead of like the meme, because again, I'll be honest with you, like I do try to watch or read like the serious news or, Correct. pero me aburre la verdad, y lo veo un rato, and I better, I prefer to watch kind of like what entertains me. And I think most people are the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's very important to me, like when I have a conversation like this, instead of going based on a friend of mine that heard from another friend that heard from la tia, that esto le pasó, and because of that, in my mind, I'm like, ah, no, pues let's not vaccinate the kids. No, which and, is, and, 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 and let's, and let's take a step back, I'll okay. be honest with you. I feel like it's very interesting of, we need to look at what last year to this year. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that people, should be encouraged to be vaccinated reason being last year we were in lockdown mm -hmm. we we're in complete lockdown so technically fine if you choose to not get vaccinated you know what i mean you're for the flu if you were staying at home then that most likely 90 percent of the time you weren't going to get the flu you know what i mean now everything was closed you know what i mean mm -hmm. and plus there was mask mandates etc now this is a very different 
uh, scenario they were in, right? The schools were closed last year. Mm -hmm. This time, schools are open. Uh, masks are technically not required. You know what I mean? Uh, everything is open right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we've seen an increase of RSV, all the other things that are just coming up. Because last year, that's what sort of reflects, you know what I mean? mask work because it contains it you know what i mean and that's what really helped and that's where we're now seeing an increase with children you know what i mean as far as uh COVID numbers they continue to spike within the community and then we think well why well because schools are open right mm -hmm. and if it's not mandated then there's going to be that transmission that's going to be happening it's highly encouraged that's what they say in school but if the parent, not even the kid, makes a decision, the parent, oh, you're not wearing a mask or whatever. And again, I'm not saying that's the right approach or not. I want to really talk about masks and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my, my opinion on masks. Mm -hmm. But as far as vaccines go, um, again, do you guys, and this is more of a personal question, is there one that you prefer? Again, your personal opinion. All of them have been tested. Of course, they all been administered, so they, they, they had to be tested. Of course, but one saying, like, porque hoy está bien, like, from family, no, la moderna, no, or, like, uh, Johnson and Johnson, or the Pfizer, I don't know, you, you hear that, and I just want to hear it from you guys. Como un dicho, ¿verdad? Okay. Cada cabeza es un mundo. Yes. Uh -huh. So, every single body reacts different to every single, to the vaccine, right? Okay. Um, as far as all the research that has been behind every single one of them, they all have a very good way to protect you. Okay. Now. Could I tell you that Moderna and Johnson and Johnson is the I'm sorry, Moderna and Pfizer are better than Johnson in the sense? Yes, because it does give you up to that percentage of, of immunity, 95 percent for Pfizer and 94 percent for Moderna. And unfortunately for the Johnson Johnson, you're at that 70 percent. But the advantage to that is for individuals that might be afraid of needles uh -huh. and they don't want to follow up their 28 or 24 days later, 21 days later on to get it. Then that's the great thing for you to do, right? But just understand that that's you're only covered up to seventy percent. Versus if you get that additional shot, uh -huh. it's going to take you up to that 95 percent immunity. And I mean, it's an individual assessment that you have to do as far as what is your risk factor that you want to do. Are you putting yourself in a predicament in a large crowd? Or are you going to basically, okay, fine, you know what, I don't want to do the two series, or I hate needles, I don't want to get, you know what I mean? Or Am you I gonna... live in a community or an area where it's not so accessible, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be yes. areas where, you know, we can't go back for the second and third dose, and it's not as easily accessible as it is for us. And so that's why I think there's a okay. place for each vaccine. Yes. That makes sense. Because I used to work out with the fire chief of um, El Paso, Mario. Saludos. Hi, Mario. Um, and he just told me back in the day that the city employees got the Moderna one. And I'm like, wait a second. Do they know something? I don't know. You know, nah, again, nah, nah. Just, just trying to. Oh, we can give you a little bit of background about uh -huh. that. Um, so in the beginning when the vaccines came out, because we were really involved in the vaccine administration campaigns. Um, the Pfizer vaccine, which was the first one to yeah. come out, it needed like sub-zero refrigeration. And so very few facilities had that. So they really didn't, they weren't able to administer that vaccine to just anybody because who has, you know, a sub-zero freezer? And it was large, like large. Yeah. So Moderna didn't require that. It was a little bit easier to administer. So it doesn't necessarily mean that one was better, better than the yeah. other. It just means... What is easier to administer to this population in this area? Yeah. 
Like, dude, this is so true with so many other things. You know, Pastor, we were talking a little bit about kind of the reason why I'm doing this, that we just hear something and we just go with the first thing that comes to our brain, right? Like, I'm hearing the Moderna and me saying, oh, but that's the good one. No, okay, that's the city. Wait a second. A hundred percent, of course, there's a reason behind that. You just have to open your perspective and understand there's maybe a reason that you don't understand or you do not know of right now, but it doesn't mean that the reason why que tu tía te dijo, that's Go the ahead. right one. Yeah, it and was just that applies to so many how things. you were able to store it. Wow. Okay. Because we had to come up with those same uh, yeah. situations too, right? So where were we going to be administering the vaccine? Were we going to be physically at the hospital where we had this yeah. sub-zero, you know, freezer? Plus or were we going to be out in a, sometimes we were out in a parking lot. You know, what were we going to have access to? So which vaccine were we going to administer? Were we able, were we going to be able to get these people to come back? So if Correct. it's hard to reach these communities, is it easier just to administer the Johnson & Johnson? Yeah, it was, it was one of those things also at the moment that you're popping open a vial, that thing's about to expire within a certain time frame. And so at that moment, and and that we, was horrible. It, it was that oh was god, horrible. yes. But I'll be honest with you. Oh, at the moment we received it, me and Christine and our team, we were like, you know what? I get it. It's Christmas Eve. Is it twenty fourth? Yeah. We're like, twenty twenty. All this the is, holidays. This is our job. This is our dedication. And so we we were there. The 24th, the 25th, the 26th, New Year's, the whole thing, vaccinating. Because we're like, we're not going to delay this. The more we delay, it's one per, well, the more we delay and the one vaccine that we uh, don't use within that time frame is one person not getting vaccinated. That might have a negative outcome. But that outcome. was actually really hard because like he said, there was, it was six vaccines per mm -hmm. vial. So let's say you had five people make an appointment, right? And so you're like, okay, I have my five people. And then all of a sudden, someone didn't show up. Oh, my gosh, I have this extra vaccine. I'm not going to waste it. We're not yes. going to waste it. Let's find people. And it, it got to a point where we, we were not going to waste it. Mm -hmm. We were, like, calling the neighbors, calling. We were not going to waste yeah. vaccines. And we and would we stay hours. We would stay until, like, midnight, midnight if we had to because we were not going to waste vaccines. And this is starting we at 6 in the morning wow. all the way till midnight at times. Because we were going to find like, an arm for that vaccine. Yes. Guys, thank you so much. I know you guys make it seem like, oh, but now that's just what I do. But like, most oh, people don't like it. Like, God. It like, was really challenging because, yeah. oh, and don't even get me started with second doses. Because second doses, that was even challenging because then it's, like you said, right? Comodidad. Um, yeah. I can't recall the word in English, right? But, um yeah, people were like, well, you know what? Especially when we were doing it, it was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to be here in town during that time. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now we're off on the number. And again, the same challenges every single day when we did a clinic. I was like, we are not wasting this vaccine. That's funny. Let me let me share with you guys a story about my mom, right? They say when, when the vaccine started was being available, right? We say, and it tomes la Johnson and Johnson. No, la Johnson and Johnson, no, because there's a lot of recalls on other products, not even like medical. Y yo, mamá, ay, Dios mío, mamá, yeah, okay, la, la escucho, pero she was very adamant. Okay, and then I don't know if you guys remember what happened to the first Johnson and Johnson that there was a recall. ¿Quién cree que me habló? Mi mamá de, te dije, tío. Oh, that's the worst thing that could have happened because now my mom has that. that because there's again so many misconceptions 
but then she do she does have that that she was right that time seriously because I'm like oh okay pero bueno but you know what this at the end of the day I feel like with vaccines it's like I feel like um, now we have a weapon yeah yeah definitely. to fight this yeah which unfortunately in 2020 March throughout that whole time when that vaccine it was the most amazing uh, thing to see people get their vaccine and for a lot of people it was just yeah. relief. relief like yeah. you could see it in you their could face see it. Yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong but one thing that again my personal opinion is that even if it just um, I don't know what you call it though that it's nothing that they're giving you a shot. ¿Cómo se llama? Placebo. The placebo. Even if you're just being just water, but you knowing and getting that extra energy that, no, I'm protected. Again, my opinion. So es que that goes a long way as well. Because imagine how many were unfortunate. That they would have loved to have had the opportunity yeah. to be vaccinated. I mean, we were right there where we work. We we work right in the UMC yeah. area. I mean, you saw the trucks with the bodies. It's it was so eerie yes. going to work every day. That's where we that parked to go to work. That, that's what Judge Samaniego talked about. Yes, that talked especially about that. remember you guys at the beginning, people not believing that there is something oh. going on. We saw it every day. That's where there, we parked. There, there's so many. I mean, you guys can just recall that. Um, and then what Judge Samaniego did a great job saying it's it's exactly that. That so it's good. I see it. It's happening. I interact with first responders just like yourselves. And it's happening. Y como nosotros, and I'll include myself, just being at home, working from home, looking at Facebook all day. Now, they, well, maybe if they do have a point, maybe there is nothing serious going on. Yeah. And, and again, that, that just proves that you need to and, talk to the right people. No, no yeah. más and I applaud Judge Samaniego because I think he was one of the public officials that, you know, went out on the ledge, a lot of courage. And kind of kept us going because I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of times that we were like, we'd never gone through a pandemic. Like, this is the first time for us, too. You know, like, are we doing the right thing? Are we? It gets Should discouraging. I be here, right? Should, and especially when you go into a profession yeah. like nursing where you don't do politics. Like, I'm like, I, I signed up for nothing to do with politics. And all of a sudden you're the villain and you're wrong and you're you're brainwashing and you're a sheep. And it gets kind of demoralizing. Right. But. He was always very supportive of us. Well, so many of you have my vote, by the way. But yeah. that's 100% true, Tejo. And we listened to a doctor on Facebook, Quinceañera, that we think that he's a doctor. We don't even know. And okay, yeah. that's why. Oh, they put his MD at the end. And yeah, let me ask you guys this. Value. Two years after, it's safe to call it January of 2022, right? Mm -hmm. Two years after everything started, is there still a lot of misinformation out there? Yes. yes. On a daily basis. Uh, okay, to what, again, not an exact number, to I what percentage? Because when when 2020, te aseguro que there was like 100% or 90% misinformation. Of course, with the facts and the things that we had, all the data, I'm sure that that went down. Mm -hmm. But in your opinion, if you can put, I like numbers, by the way. Um, if you like to, like, if you can put a percentage, that's what I was getting. I think that out there on Facebook, on the news, or with friends, there's still a, 30% misinformation, 50, 60. Would you guys be uh, comfortable putting a number? I feel it went up. I don't know. No, me digas eso. I, because I think uh. all of a sudden it got politicized. Ooh, mm. What do you mean by that? Explain yourself. Uh, all of a sudden, if you believe in the vaccine, if you believe in, it seems like... And mask, if you believe in... I want to uh, talk about masks for sure. If you believe in the CDC, if yep. you... You know what I mean? It's just... 
at what point um, do we take face value? Like, at what point do we stop believing in science? You know what I mean? <laughs> What's the biggest misinformation? If you had what you guys do have, a couple of minutes to say, you know what? There's so many things going on, but the one that I've seen that bothers me the most that I want to talk about is this. Like, for me, for because hours. I see it Go every it, day, yes. is that uh, COVID doesn't affect children. And I think that it's to so get them vaccinated or like get us and to protect them, right? Okay. To make sure we instill mean protect- in them hand hygiene and mask wearing if they're in high risk situations that you vaccinate them, right? I think there's I don't know where this happened, where all of a sudden people think kids are completely immune to COVID oh. and they think, oh, well, my child doesn't have any underlying conditions, but a lot of times, when do we get diagnosed with underlying conditions? It could be years, right? Yeah. So, okay, your child might not have any diagnosed underlying conditions because they haven't presented with symptoms yet, but it's we don't know that. Yeah, there. we don't know that it's, I haven't forbid, right? But that a tumor isn't brewing or that they don't have some sort of underlying blood condition or that they don't have, you know, diabetes that is running in genetics or that they aren't going to have an asthma exacerbation if they get COVID. So I just, I hate that everybody thinks children are just completely immune and they could never get sick. Okay. And the best way to help them out is, of course, getting getting kids vaccinated and also what else? Teaching your children to protect themselves, wear masks, um, which I myself, I, this is like an every single day. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Reminding my kids, you're not wearing your mask. Your mask is not, you know, being worn appropriately. Washing your hands, hand washing, even just teaching your kids. Do the hell on, it's going to prevent so many other things, not yeah. only COVID, but put yes. COVID, exactly. Yeah. I think one of the number one cause of death, like worldwide, is like um, infectious diseases having to do with you know, diarrheas and stuff like that worldwide. Yeah. And hand hygiene prevents that alone. So just teaching your kids how to properly wash their hands nice. is very important. I like that. It's how like, about you? It's like right now we see a correlation. Think uh-huh. about it. Last year, uh, if you do your research, last year, children's hospitals were at an all-time low hospitalizations mm-hmm. as far as numbers um, to the point that uh, adult facilities had to come into children's hospitals to utilize those as beds because of the high numbers of, of people hospitalized. And that was because? Because there was no kids. You know what I mean? The kids were, it was closed. We were in lockdowns. We were wearing masks. We were doing all the necessary precautions. So it's a quick cor- rec- uh, um, correlation that those numbers of infections went down. Mm-hmm. Right now you see it all across the news. Now children's hospitals, you know, I mean, the census has continued to go up. Now more are getting infected. What changed from last year? Yeah. What changed? Well, yeah, not really matter for the most part. We opened up everything. We don't mask mandate. We don't have mask uh, utilization. You could use it if you want to or not. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so that's a clear ref- reflection as to as to a difference from the previous year. Now, and that makes sense. as far as me, you're asking me what for me. The fact that we went through this 100 years ago, uh-huh. 100 years ago, history is bound to repeat itself. The Spanish flu, we had that as an example. But it's about when I ask you, like, what is the biggest misinformation? What do you mean? As far as um, we go back to behavior, mm-hmm. um, knowing, that, uh, giving that sense of security that hey, you're vaccinated, you're not going to get COVID, yeah. for example. I'm going to give you one of the many that um, 
when we were doing the vaccination, I made it a point. I probably even became like de- like ronco. I couldn't talk no more because I was like a <laughs> like a, a a recorder. But I wanted to be there in person to be able to talk to everybody. Every single person that received their vaccine, I wanted to me personally as the infection prevention director to be able to talk and guide them. In the sense that I'm like, yes, you're getting vaccinated does not mean you're not going to get COVID. And unfortunately, that has not been the message that we've conveyed over across the board. Everybody feels that they're not going to get COVID where they're vaccinated and look where we're at right now as far as the infectivity rate. It's like what it does, it protects you against getting severe COVID. Which is the one that, of course, leads to death. Correct. Just like the flu shot. The flu shot, yes, it protects you against not dying from flu. Yes, you might feel miserable for it for a couple of days, but guess what? You're alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the general, that's the research, that's the general practice behind vaccines. You know it's what I mean? almost like thinking that if you wear your seatbelt, you'll never crash. Like you'll never die from a car accident. Like you're right? never going to crash if you wear your seatbelt. No, you just probably won't get as injured or mm-hmm. you won't get hurt, but that doesn't prevent the car from crashing. Correct. That makes a lot of sense. They, I always, I think for me, I don't know how I got, but it was clear to me, but you're absolutely right. When I talk to friends, family, or when I see it out there, it's it's not about the vaccine being that, oh, yes, that's the end, or not the opposite. It's more of this is going to help you Correct. with future infections. So right? now take a look. Now, going a little bit more mm-hmm. like peeling the onion, yeah. right? So what happened? This Now, why do we have such a big spike? Yes, Omicron is more contagious. I get it. But because of that false sense of security that I'm vaccinated and I'm not going to get it, guess what? We went to our old behavior. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? Christmas, we got together, et cetera. And I get it that the CDC was indicating, okay, yes, you could get gathered together, et cetera. But it's still, you could still get it the, as far as the disease. And that's where we're at right now because of everybody feeling a false sense of security that I'm vaccinated, I'm not going to get it. This is where we're at right now. I like that. Now, as far as spikes, we're definitely going to talk about the variants because, first of all, I have a question on who names those uh, variants because, again, the Delta one that they said is like, oh, que se los dejo ahí, but the Omicron is going to scare people. What's going to be the third one? (laughs) Like, I see they're going to put a a name in Spanish. I don't know what's going to happen. It just depends on who's the one that identifies it. No me digas que el señor Omicron es el que... <laughs> Mr. Omicron. <laughs> it just depends. Like okay. I said, in 2013, it was the MERS. It was the Middle Eastern uh, SARS. That's what it was known as. So it just depends on the region. And so, let me put it this way. Go for it. Africa itself, right? Uh-huh. And this was back in 20... I'm sorry, in uh, September of last year. I think they had just vaccinated 1% of their population. Uh-huh. 1%. So... Put it in context, 1% of their population is vaccinated. How many more, once it burns out, what do you think how many more variants are going to come out of that? Yeah. Uh, India, I remember, they're, they're the largest vaccination for Pfizer, right? And unfortunately, in this case, they weren't able to, they have a low vaccination rate because they were not able to actually, you know I mean, they're producers, Yet they don't own the vaccine, so they couldn't get it to people's arms because that is being shipped out to countries that paid for the vaccines. 
Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. To close out the conversation of vaccines, let's talk about the booster. Yes. And I'm going to give you my true opinion on boosters, right? I haven't taken a booster, by the way. No, let's kiss this in case no venian, by the way. But uh, <laughs> now on the booster, I do feel that, hey, like I took the vaccine because, yeah, there's so many things going on. And like you said, it is better to have something. Huh? Mm -hmm. But then the booster makes me think, okay, so then is the booster every three months? Is it every day, every week? Is it every day? Like, and then now I put myself now personally, like I'm healthy overall. I do exercise, which is one of the biggest things um, as far as the, the, um, the mortality on this disease is like if you're overweight and stuff like that, right? So I say, so it's okay. Chances are they'll be okay. And going back a little bit to that mindset of because they haven't tested is the booster a little bit more of the other vaccine is it like a booster again again my my own personal thing so i haven't gotten a booster because of that and i don't think i'm gonna get one because of that right because again me thinking that all right i got the main thing i got my main medicine if you want to call it that i should be good Yes, too, because I don't think COVID's going to, and I'm going to ask you this right now, I don't think it's going away. I think it's just going to stay with us in some way, some some shape or form, right? Correct. So I'm like, I'm not going to take COVID. I mean, boosters every year, every six months. So I haven't taken that. I don't know if a lot of people share my mindset, uh, but what are your thoughts on the booster? I have a question for you. Oof. Do you take it. a multivitamin? Oh, God, that's such a good question to ask me. Yes. Okay. Do you just take it once and that's it and expect that those effects are going to be lasting? You got me there. Okay. I'll now, food for thought, right? Yeah. So that's what happens as far as vaccinations. Right now, this um, with... Now, is there... Th uh, let, let me interrupt you, and I'm sorry. Yes. This is the first time I hear of a booster. I have heard vaccines for stuff, so tomatela. But a booster? Do we take boosters for the like the other vaccines that we? Some, yeah, absolutely. Some. Which ones? Yes. I, I never taken a booster See, of like something else. That's the weird thing that a lot of people don't realize all the vaccines that are that actually require to... boosters. Yeah. What? Yes. So the flu shot, for instance, you get one annually yeah, because that's a booster. Not me, but okay. Um, Tdap, the tetanus, you tetanus. get every ten years. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And that's when you get stuck with the rusty nail. Okay. So you want to make sure that, you know, I mean, every single time if you have one of those type encounters, you want to make sure that you're vaccinated for that because then it, it could lead to complications. Is this a booster the same vaccine? Is it a different thing? It's the just, same, I it's, about, the, same it's the same thing. It's the same component. Okay. Because we've, we held these clinics ourselves. It's the same vaccine. It's the same one that's arriving. It's just that you're getting a booster immunity. So think of it like, um, sound waves right Ooh, okay perfect right for a yeah. podcast and here i'm just trying to give you an example so you can understand in context so the sound waves are going like this right so that means that it's going well right as far mm -hmm. as the sound but all of a sudden it just starts to plateau and what happens that means that there's no sound coming in right I, this again i'm trying to give you an example same similar as far as with your immunity right you're going to have those those uh those uh fluctuations but then there's going to be a point where, okay, if you're no longer getting exposed to it and, and, and there's a high infectivity rate, which is where we're at right now, you want to give that shot, that jolt, uh, as far as in your, uh, in your immune system, so it could start producing and we could get you back, you know what I mean, uh, as far as being protected, you know what I mean, those anti uh, antibodies to protect you. What's the recommendation right now on boosters? Like just one after, I, I don't know, talk to my boosters, I have no idea. What is the recommendation right now? 
So as far as the boosters is after, I think they, they just updated, I think, up to five months after your prior, uh, first series now. Okay. It used to be six months, and I think within this past month, they already updated now to... Are five. you saying up to six months after I've taken it? What if... From like, the last, I... from the from the, your primary series, mm -hmm. then uh, five months have lapsed, take your booster. What if I didn't do that? Do I still take another booster a year after my original vaccine? So... It, Again, this is a new virus, yeah. so it's still not been approved as far as for you to be taking concurrent boosters at this time. The one that's been the EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization, you know what I mean? It's been right now authorized for currently a third dose, which is considered the booster. Um, And currently. all companies have this booster, like Pfizer, todos are just one brand yes, that has this booster. But there is recommendation. So, for okay. example, if you receive Johnson, uh, Johnson, uh, which is the one that gets you at 70%, they've now done research where they recommend for you to take an RNA vaccine, which is either the Moderna or the, um, the Pfizer. So it gets you up to that 90% as far as immunity. Interesting. If you have Moderna or Pfizer, you could interchange it. They're mRNA, so you're fine. Okay. Now, just to counterattack to what you told me right now. Okay. I couldn't come up with a better word. Um, like, am I right that if I'm a healthy individual, no asthma, of course, no, like, underlying conditions at all? And, and the biggest thing is, again, my, my, my exercise, my um, – do I still need a booster? Yes. Okay, dime por qué. Okay. Let me give you And a, give me another uh, example. Like the the only, first one that you said it was great, by the way, but give me another one. Let me give you an example. I know Go that we're saying that as far as if we're healthy, then there's no need for vaccination, right? No, no, not vaccination. No, but but um, let me just give you an okay. example. Um, well, I have some... <laughs> as far as boosters, right? Uh -huh. um, when it came as far as this is... This is uh, a, uh, one of our friends that is cycling mm -hmm. and pre-COVID, prior to vaccination being available. I mean, COVID affects everybody different. You know I mean? Mm. This gentleman, like this guy, he was a cyclist and he is like in top shape. You know what I mean? And he ended up getting COVID to the point that even five months later, he was with his oxygen tank. I ran into the store with him. and Someone from El Paso, like someone that you know. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, completely like, seriously, uh, the gym cyclist and that takes endurance for you to be dry uh riding for x amount of miles yeah and so again you just don't know i i feel like at, at what point do you want to make sure i guess do you want to risk the odds now as far as boosters yes i uh, one thing where i i do recommend them overall as far as because of the high infectivity they're having mm -hmm. right now at this current time Uh, every single body reacts different. You might start uh, that immunity start may start to dwindle down and you might not know thinking, hey, you know what? I'm covered. I already got my series. And guess what? Then you go out and guess what? You're going to get it. And those are the breakthrough cases that you're hearing every single day that are happening. But if you actually deep dive and you start looking at those, guess what? Um, I had an individual because that's what I do. Right. We uh, all health as well. All of the employees have to call us. And so when I'm doing those calls, I, I, there was an individual that, that he got COVID again okay. after a vaccination. But I really took it a point to have a conversation with him. And he was like, you know what? And he's like, no, no, no. He's all like, it is a blessing as far as vaccinations. He's like, I had COVID prior 
to vaccination and he says i was like dying he's like to the point that it it cost me to even get up to go to the restroom like that's how much in dire pain of fatigue and tiredness that he was and he says as far as now that i have covid after vaccination and booster guess what it's like a bad cold and i'm like i'll take this a hundred times and i was like that's a perfect example as to how vaccination works now the only reservation where I have as far as boosters mm -hmm. is that I feel that when we talked about it, right, we are in a pandemic. And I gave you the example as far as uh, Africa, right? We need to start approaching this as a global community. We're having such an enclosed uh, mindset in the sense that we're like, okay, we got to va vaccinate the United States and we got to vaccinate, we got to vaccinate and we have to get another booster. I heard Israel's already giving the fourth booster now. And I'm like, I get it. Yes, I, I get it. But at what point are we also going to have to start switching our mentality, our mindset that this is a global pandemic? Because if that 1% of Africa, and I don't know what the ratio is as far as vaccination right now, as opposed to September, what if another variant comes that basically is going to laugh at our current vaccine? We, we don't know. You know what I mean? And so we just need to make sure that as a global effort, we're able to start vaccinating. And we saw that here in our backyard yeah. with H1N1 in Mexico. Uh, we were able to eradicate it because we vaccinated across. And if you get your flu shot right now, it still contains um, H1N1 because we wanna keep that at bay. Because the swine flu, that's another whole pandemic that they're always in the lookout. As far as studying birds every single year, you might not know that, right? But they're studying the birds because they wanna keep it at bay. Studying the pigs, the porcine, because they wanna keep that at bay as well, because those are always threatening emergencies, emergent diseases that are just lurking around in our backyard. Nice. Thank you so much for that conversation. Uh, transitioning a little bit into masks, Mm -hmm. I and, and I think I think I don't know if I talked to Tommy Gonzalez or was it Jutsu Maniego about mask, right? I remember vividly long time ago that the head of the CDC said that mask they don't work, right? And then after that it was a correction that N95 masks do work because those are the ones that professionals use, Correct. right? When I go out there to restaurants to let's take that back, not restaurants, but uh, Walmart or other places, people, for the most part, I, I think they wear masks for the most part, mm -hmm. right? But I, my opinion is that they wear only like 5% when wear the end finer, others is just whatever mask. And it, it is my opinion that, you know what, if professionals are not wearing the others, then I think that's just a waste of time you putting in whatever, again, if it's not N95, if it's, you guys seen the regular cloth, yeah. like the like whatever the else, right? You've seen that. Mm -hmm. It is my opinion that all those, it's just a waste of time. You might as well not use it. If you're not wearing the one that the medical staff, N95, they do wear. But it's important to take into context when we're wearing N95s. Mm -hmm. So we wear N95s. First of all, we're fitted for the N95. So it's important for people to know that the medical professionals, we don't just grab whatever in 95. We go through a fitting process and it's actually done annually. It's done when you're hired and annually. So you get one that's fitted. So they fit it to make sure that you get a good seal. 
Um, there's rules in place. Like if you're wearing a beard, you're not really going to get a good seal. And we wear it because we're going to be doing procedures um, that could cause what's called aerosolization. The patient's going to be breathing on you. The patient's going to be, um, you know, spitting up on you. The patient's going to be throwing up on you, coughing in your face. So that's why we're wearing an N95. For the regular people, you're probably not going to Walmart and having people cough in your face or you're intubating a patient, you know, sticking a breathing tube down them and all their air particles are going into your face. In an enclosed space. In an enclosed space, like inches away from their face. So that's why we were, we don't wear an N95 just all over the place. Yeah. We wear an N95 in high risk situations where we're going into Because those work, right? Yeah. uh Uh-huh. But... And everywhere else, we wear just a regular mask as well. We wear a regular mask because something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. There you go. So let me give you a little bit of explanation in regards to the mask thing. Okay. So let's say say we're in a bus, right? Yes. And and let's let's go even pre-pandemic because I feel like right now we're always like in the whole... I think it's never going to change no more. The mindset that we're going to be like, pre-pandemic we did this and then Mm -hmm. post-pandemic we did this. Example. You're in a uh, bus, right? And there's a tuberculosis patient in there. Okay. Or or just say infectious patient, right? And if he's coughing up a lung, right? In other words. And if everybody's wearing the mask, but he's not, uh, what is that doing? Ask me that again. So you're in a bus, right? And there's patient um, coughing up. A lung, you know mm-hmm. I mean, overall, he's yeah. coughing, you know, let's say it's tuberculosis, tuberculosis, right? Or, or any other highly infectious disease. Uh, and everybody else in the bus is wearing a mask. What is that, what is happening? Everybody's wearing a mask in, except, except him. that person. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well, there's a high chance that the other guy, what type of mask are they wearing? Wait, before you get me, what type of mask are, they, are the other people wearing? Because if they're mask. just a regular, not in 95 mask. Uh, you know what? I, I go with what Christy said that something's better than nothing, mm-hmm. but I wonder what that something really is. Is it 5%? Is it 10% of like the N95 that gives you, let's call it 100%? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the example that I was getting to, because previously, mm-hmm. uh, as far as pre infection control and, and so forth, you know what I mean? Back then, everybody, like for example, in healthcare setting, they would always. Um, Everybody in the hallway would would cover their face mm-hmm. when they were bringing in somebody that was like, for example, a tuberculosis patient, right? But the TB patient would not wear anything. And what is that doing? They're cross-contaminating they're it still all spreading the hallway. Okay. The wheelchair, everything that they're coughing in. So think about that bus, right? Now if they're coughing onto the, the where you hold yourself, guess what? That's contaminated. If they sit on a chair and they're coughing, well, guess what? That chair is not contaminated. Now let's switch the scenario around. If that if that bus is full again, right? But if that individual is wearing a mask and they're coughing, are they contaminating the handle? Are they contaminating the chair? Are they contaminating? No, they're not. Not to that same level. Because it's contained within within the mask. Yes, there's a certain as far as masks. You know what I mean? If I'm wearing a sheer little thing, no. The recommendation is a triple layer mask. A s- two to three layers as far as regular cotton, as far as mask. You know what I mean? Uh, you've seen some individuals that it's like lace and it's like obvious. I get it. Yeah, it's not really t- uh, protecting anybody. But uh, as far as that's the premise and that's 
sort of what got misconstrued mm-hmm. at the beginning yeah. when it, the whole pandemic started uh, in regards to the mask use. Yes, the practice previously is the one that's sick because that's what they told the general public. There's no need to wear a mask. It's only the one, but they didn't stress out. It's like only the sick ones. But guess what? At that moment, the cat was already a bag, right? Yeah. Basically, uh, and this everybody was practically already infected. Plus, there was twenty percent of the people that you did not know that were infected. So that you might be carrying the virus and not know. And if you weren't wearing a mask, guess what? You were going to be infecting others. So that's where you go in, in epidemiology and infection control practices. That's when you say, "Hey, everybody, let's just mask up," so we can minimize the transmission. Yeah. And, and again, I'm with you. I, I just wanted to give you my opinion on the N95 because this is the one that I when when I wear like I, that's the one I try to wear for, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. I work at a place that a lot of people don't see that if you are dealing with millions or thousands, even this one percent improvement overall, it's going to make a big change. Yeah. Right. So in the long run, that's why masks do work because, of course, maybe, again, going back to that 1% of maybe patients or, or, or people not being infected at the long run makes a big difference. And that's how we, little by little, of course, we, we try to treat this pandemic or at least this virus right now. But we have to be a little bit careful, okay. right? Because right now, I, right now, one of the updates that are being given out is like, hey, N95s, that's the way to go. And guess what? What's going to happen is the general public's going to rush to go buy them. And guess what? Now as healthcare workers, us that are actually going like Christine, that are actually in the room with these infectious patients, guess what? We're not going to have that. And we had it last year. We were running out of face shields. We were running out of that. Thankfully, we were so strategic and we worked. Oh, God, you should have seen Christine. She's she's like a ticker. Automatically, every single mask we had to have those conversations with the with the, with the staff that we were like, hey guys, think it like if you're in the Sahari, right, and you only have one bottle of water, are you gonna drink it in one gulp or are you gonna like uh, take it little by little? And yeah. that's how we had to use our PPE, uh, little by little, so we do not put ourselves in that predicament. And you saw it across the news where everybody was like, they were running out of PPE and equipment and masks. Why? Because the general public took it for themselves which yeah. you're not going to be doing an aerosolization procedure yourself yeah and and it's funny how we as again we as public or or common people mm-hmm. we take that as oh, okay well that's easy to buy a good mask instead of hey don't be overweight what are you gonna do over there you know what i mean like Le vas a hacer algo? Oh, no no but let me put three masks of the n95 <laughs> it's hilarious but it happens how many times were you counting all that stuff So with, well, we were kind of lucky. I will say a funny story is the way that we first heard of coronavirus. So (laughs) I have to tell the story. Go for it. So when was it? Like January of 2020? January. January of 2020. This guy sends an invite out to people like (laughs) at the hospital. And he's like, "Um, we guys, we need to meet because in China, there's an infection that, you know, it's going to could potentially harm us. And he's like, we're going to have this call with the CDC. And he's like, I'll buy lunch so that we can meet. Nobody went to his meeting. Imagine, imagine if in 20, like, we'd never heard of coronavirus. And he's like, there's this, you know, infection in China. We were like, what is he talking about? We have this other meeting that we have to go to about central lines or quality. Um, But he didn't let that deter him. He was like... 
no, this is still important. So he started like ordering more masks and hoarding them and taking them out of areas where he knew like they don't need them. We need to stockpile and stockpile um, since January of 2020 because so I think we were lucky in that sense that you I say it was like chicken little. The sky is falling. But we had never even heard of this, you know, coronavirus, so we didn't take him too serious. And then once they started talking about it in March, we were like, oh. Hey, did now you send a follow-up email saying, les dije hijo de la fregada, or you didn't do that? Oh, I, every day, Christine would be like, now I'm eating, breathing, living yeah. it every single day. Because I think at day. the time I was like, well, you, you're infection control. You can go to the meeting and just let us like, know. Just let us know. Send yeah. us, wow. Yeah, just send us a post-it if you need something. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, now everybody's infection control. Wow. Exactly. And she's the lead of, of education at the time. So guess what? She had to educate everybody on yeah. this. Wow. So then um, – also with the PPE, uh, another cool story is we, we just didn't know, right? So in the beginning, we were very fearful. We're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to use a million face shields. Um, it's going to, you know, it's, so we started counting every single item of PPE. And every day, our materials management team would give us a count. Um, and every day, I would follow it and give reports. And I would tell departments, Why, where did these masks go? And where did those masks go? Another thing that on the weekends, we would make our own face shields. So we, we went, went to Telas, uh, Texas uh-huh. in downtown. It's like a fabric yeah. shop. And they sold, and I don't even think they knew at the beginning why we were going and we were buying. You know how they make the, the manteles yeah. like that your mom probably put on her, the plastic ones. Yes. So we're like, we need a roll of that. And we made our own facials just in case we ran With out. With Coban and then the foam. And then we, we freaked out because this place closed. Like once they started closing the business, they closed. And we're like, oh, no. Oh, crap. Where are we going to get more of this stuff? But this company opened and they For brought us. it. They brought it to us. Yeah, they brought us more we're rolls. So thankful. that was, I think that was my favorite. Okay, so I don't know if this is like, you could say my favorite part. But my favorite part of the pandemic was the community. And I think it reminded me why we do what we do and that we have an awesome community. And anything that we needed, we got it. And there was nobody that wasn't willing to go out of their way. Um, My other favorite story is we were the first hospital that started screening employees at the entrance. So back in early March, we started taking temperatures of employees and we started asking about symptoms. And I'll never forget, I was there the very first morning, 3 o'clock in the morning when we started doing that. And it was horrible because the only thermometers that we had were the kind that you, like, roll across your forehead. Well, if you can imagine where we work, it's Texas Tech. It's, uh, like, it's thousands of employees and visitors that go through that entrance. So how time-consuming would it be to be taking the temperature like that? So I was like, this is absolutely not going to work. So by the time that we needed those exergen thermometers, the kind that you just point the restaurants use now yeah. and other places, uh-huh. yeah. well back in march of 2020 i don't know if you guys realized you probably realized there was nothing we couldn't find yeah. any you couldn't order it so i had an idea to call the school district uh-huh. and we had close relationships with the school district the school nurses because we did different events with them and it was something i it always tears me up that the school nurses yisd well i graduated from hanks um, YASD, they went and they, the school nurses went back to their schools 
and they gave us their thermometers and they brought them to us and that's what we used in the beginning until we could get ours and so when we started vaccinating one of the things that i made sure was you know hey we're going to have a few extra doses and i was like the school nurses are going to get those doses Mm -hmm. and i got to vaccinate my school nurse oh that's so cool Wow, that that's one. Uh, t- as you guys were talking about, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this, because again, I don't want to just interact with people famous, El Paso famous, of course, or people that um, have a lot of followers. Just real people doing great stuff in our city that maybe we don't know about. So yeah, we wanted yeah, to. We really to were str- like lots of places started. We to people with like 3D quickly. printers. People with like 3D printers started mm-hmm. bringing us face shields. Like little kids would. UTEP started doing their 3D printing yeah. as far as face shields. Um, even looking at the ventilators, remember how the ventilators, yeah. how you could do uh, multiple people with the same ventilator, put four people with one with one ventilator, which is in the ideal setting is, you know, I mean, it's just for one person. But at that moment, we were like, hey, let's be innovative because we saw it, what was happening in Italy. And we knew that that wave just was just coming. You know what I mean? You could see it every day. I would see those maps. And you knew it was coming. Yes. Yeah. And you could see the wave of the dots. And it was just, it was coming. It was coming. And we're like, let's not put ourselves in that predicament that we, we find ourselves in dire need. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and you saw it. We, we became the second hotspot in the United States. And we went through very tough times during that time why do you think we were one of the well the hot spot in the world at one point I El Paso I think it's our culture mm-hmm. I think a lot of vale madre or what you mean no I think the way that we the live warmth. and we integrate with our abuelitas and our abuelitos and the warmth that we have the you know what I mean we hug we kiss you know what I mean to have that social distance to not you know what I mean? That yeah. interact. And also that mentality of, no, no, no. Once we have the problem, we worry about it. Right? Yeah. But a lot of people in our region live with their parents and mm. live with their brothers and things like that. So, you know, you're going to have maybe spread a lot more because brother maybe got exposed at his work and now he brought it home and we live there too or things like that. Um, you know, the abuelitas and abuelitos, thank God for abuelitas and abuelitos because who was watching our kids when we had to go to work and they were not at school. They worked multiple hours. Um, you know, kudos to, I have to, you know, I would, I would never forgive myself, but kudos to like my mom who had to step in and all of a sudden become a teacher because mm-hmm. I had to work, you know, and even now still 13, 14 hours a day and she all of a sudden had to become an elementary school teacher, you know, but knowing that we're exposing all these family members because of the interactions that we had. So what I did is I actually just, my kids for months lived with my mom because I, I knew I was interacting with so many people that I didn't want to have them back and forth. So that was kind of hard. Uh, well, again, guys, you guys really, and of course your peers deserve all that was, recognition. And, and you just touched a very good point. That was one of the most stressful parts. The fact that that responsibility fell on, especially on education, to educate everybody within the within the organization, and at the same time for me to be able to come up with processes in place that were really not set. You know, what I mean, everything was so fluid uh, with COVID nineteen. That responsibility to fall on us. You know, what I mean, it, it's a privilege. You know, what I mean, that we were able to be very successful. But yeah, thank you. Thanks to our families that they understood uh, that, uh, yeah, we didn't see them. 
honestly, I didn't see my family for, honestly, I probably went over a year. Wow. Of, it was just across the, the window, and that was it. Because it came to a point, especially with the spike that we had, that that was one less thing that I needed to stress out of having to find a ventilator if in the event that they had to be in that yeah. situation. Why? Because nobody was vaccinated. There was no vaccination. And as leaders, I can just imagine whatever decision you were making, I'm sure you were second guessing yourself. I'm sure you, like you said, it's our first time, so I have no idea. But guess what? As leader, you have to go for it and then you have to make other people buy into that idea. And I'm sure you guys deal with a lot of employees, a lot of people that, eh, but I'm at, like, they're still not okay with whatever. And yes. I can just imagine how that went. Well, you. The episode with with Samuel where he's indicating as far as the one of his breaking point or one of his most highlighted points where he uh, identified okay we're in a pandemic. For me, I, I it was one of the Saturday I remember um, where I had to have a serious conversation with my family that I there we were at work we were there uh, we had a death uh, that occurred non COVID related. But at that time, I don't know if you recall, when those send outs, there were only different places across the United States that were actually doing the testing. So at that moment, it was a seven day, seven to 10 days, right, I believe. Mm -hmm. It was a delay of getting those results. So at that moment, we had to assume that this, this child was infectious. So there I am trying to Google how, like trying to find out as far as the CDC, what guidelines there is as far as how to handle a body that is a PUI, a, pa a patient under investigation for COVID-19. Here we are, me and Christine, we're trying to search that. And here my parents were like, okay, like out and about. And I'm like, you guys have the luxury to be at home. Well, we as healthcare providers, we need to be the forefront of this and ensuring the safety of not only our staff, our patients, but also as far as the families. It was very heartbreaking. We couldn't allow the family to come in in this situation. You know what I mean? And well, a, lot then of, a lot of people, a lot of times they don't even understand, even knowing that you work there and you deal with it on a daily basis. Though, yeah. yeah. And so that was hard when you're looking in, in that stress that you have on your shoulders mm -hmm. to provide that guidance. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it was, it was. It, Let me was, ask you, as leaders, when, for example, Christmas, Thanksgiving, in back of your mind, are you thinking, oh my God, here we go again. I yeah. thought, here's another spike. I Every this. single See? time. I, like she said, chicken little, right? I am that chicken little as far as the facility. Um, in 2019, we had the measles outbreak. Yeah. And so I got to say, because of the dedication of our team, uh, that's one of the things that I think made us very successful also with our COVID-19 processes. Because with measles, it's highly infectious. It's 90% infectious, infectious. And we had that outbreak happen. We made the news, and et cetera. So just couple of months later, here comes COVID-19. But I think it's also important to note that um, I know I take it super personally, personal to protect the staff, and I'm positive the staff realizes that they're one of my most important priorities. Mm -hmm. um, even now, protecting them is something that, I mean, they're putting their lives out there on the line every single day going into these rooms. And yeah. so I take it, I think it's so important to protect them. But also, we're protecting who they go home to, mm. right? So one of the things I tell Jose Luis is, um, you know, we need to think of not just the staff, but make them understand who are you going home to, 
that also needs to survive that you know maybe they don't understand the risk maybe they didn't sign up you know they didn't sign up for this I think that's so important and thank you so much for talking about this because like oh again um, as you're telling of course you guys see this on a daily basis but I mean oh so pues, COVID's ending no yes yes or yes or you know what like the worst is is behind us so now let's let's get used to the new normal and it perhaps might be but then we are not acting at least myself like I used to kind of like mindset wise and also kind of like what I do and this is a great reminder like you said not only think about yourself but other people yeah and I think it's going to take a little while for us to find that balance right Um, because we have to start to get back to normal practices we're in no way saying we got to live like this forever Um, especially because one of the other things that we saw in the pediatric community is the mental health of the children Um, It took a toll on a lot of kids, you know, their mental health. And absolutely, us in the pediatric community saw that. We absolutely saw an increase in patients with suicide, um, you know, suicide attempts and things like that. So how do we, you know, find that balance so that we don't have to go back and completely shut down and put these children's mental health at risk as well? And we're going to talk about that, of course. But just to close the... Well, the subject, um, which we're not going to close it because we're going to continue talking about it. But I just want to, because as you guys tell me, especially how our community got together, especially the people like Samaniego, like Tommy as well, as far as how we were able to uh, bounce back from the, again, the most infected city, one of the most, if not the most at one point, mm-hmm. to the highest vaccination rate. Yes. And that requires a lot of great Education. communication, a lot of through again through a lot of, of of people departments different agencies different little things and right now for the most part we're at 93 percent fully vaccinated again for up if not highest for that that's from the last time i checked but again that just effort from our community from everyone involved looking at this is the best way that we're going to help to herd immunity mm-hmm. nice well i want to talk a little bit about you guys specifically um do we we touched a little bet on it but of course as first responders you guys i mean are the first to respond to this pandemic right i i talked a little bit about it at the uh, how my life has changed the hair salon at work the podcast other things that i'm doing and I'm like wait a second but whenever i have a stressful day or or yeah you know let, let's call it that i only can imagine how what is your stressful day you know like people really having to adapt differently and like you guys said not only me my family members right so my question to you guys is like now specifically to you as well and if you have cases of peers or other co-workers please go ahead and share how has all this affected your mental health i think a lot i think one of the hardest parts was always you know everybody else can kind of turn it off right they can turn off the news and just step away from it but with us, we couldn't because if we stepped away from it, if we didn't always know the latest data, um, to me, someone could die. You know what I mean? That means that our employees weren't protected. That means that uh, patients didn't have the most up-to-date you know, information. So I think what started happening, especially because we were on lockdown with me, I was like, well, what am I doing here at home? You know, I, I'm not fixing something. And I think my personality had always been to be a fixer i need to go fix it i need to go um, work on it so uh, we worked a lot but because there was a drive you know someone to protect someone 
And I think that was really hard on, I know it was hard on our families. Um, it had to be because they were probably, they're probably so tired of hearing about COVID. Um, Minor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I wouldn't change it because I, I really think of how many lives were saved because I know our staff was really protected. We didn't have the exposures that a lot of places have because we were so vigilant in educating and protecting them, making sure that we were one of the first ones to get the vaccine. We always had PPE, um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. At your lowest point of being stressed, of again not knowing, um, of um, well, like again when you were very close to your breaking point, what helped you get through that moment? Um, reminding myself why you become a nurse in the, in the beginning. So I remember, you know, sometimes at two in the morning when we couldn't find someone to be screening the employees, cause we always wanted to have someone there at the checkpoints, checking temperatures. And, you know, I was there sometimes one in the morning, two in the morning, staying overnight, holidays, Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. You were there for Mother's yeah. Day. Yeah. We worked Christmas, all the, all of them, all of them. But knowing like, that's okay because I'm here as an employee, I'm not here as a patient. That's, and then you have a cause, right? You're fighting, yeah. like there's I, a I'm cause on, that allows you to, I, I remember that me, Mother's right? Day. I rem thinking. Yeah, I remember that Mother's Day. And it's so funny because I, I was like there in my Mother's Day outfit or whatever. And uh, being like, everybody kept saying like, oh my gosh, why are you working on Mother's Day? But then you look at the front of the hospital and so many people were there with like flowers and signs because their mother was upstairs in a hospital bed. And they couldn't see their mom. They couldn't visit their mom. And they couldn't talk to their mom because their mom was upstairs with COVID. Or their mom is in a body bag, you know, uh, out in the parking lot. So who am I to complain? Oh, such a great approach. And I know you're talking about it. And this is something that I stress a lot. That for you is like second nature. You're talking about it. But you'll be surprised. Or maybe you're not because you deal with it. How many people don't have that mindset to really... Like when you're feeling down or when wanting to give up, like, hey, but I think compare yourselves to like yeah, the, 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 the other side of the spectrum and you're so lucky to be. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I think that in a way we're blessed in that sense that every day we get to go to work and we get to see these families that, you know, these families that are going through so much more, so much hardship. And I'm just like, this is hard, but I can't I can't imagine being on that side. Yeah, before I go to you, Jose Luis, the, the same thing happened to me in Christmas because I was home alone during Christmas. And then the people that knew are like, oh, my God, I really feel sorry for you. And they, But they were very serious about it and they felt sorry for me. Yeah, me, kind of like I got upset because, wait, wait a second, if you know me, I have no problem being alone Christmas because the truth is, bro, there's people that there's like, no tengo nada, like. And, and if you feel that way, it's because you don't know me and that got me upset. But the truth is, it's just that mindset of knowing when to turn it on and when to turn it off because you all have to have to use it towards your advantage as well, right? Because when you want more, right? If you want to get like a, a higher position, more money, so I'm going to go for it, right? Instead of having that mentality, so I'm okay with money. No, but I mean, you have to turn it off and on, right? So that's such a great approach. Señor José Luis, talk to us about your personal mental health during COVID. <laughs> it took a toll. Because... Oh, yeah, says, look, I'm 22. <laughs> you have that weight. If you're the infection preventionist for the facility, you are technically somewhat like the little Fauci. 
of it. And especially the fact that I have everybody looking up to me and for me to have the answers for something that is new that had not hit Ebola. Yes, I went through that in my previous facility where I worked at. But that was just, we had a scare and that was it, you know what I mean? And that's it. It, it, it died out within a week. You know what I mean? We found the results and that's it. No more cases. Here it's been nonstop and here we are again. It's like that merry-go-round that you just can't get off. So having that stress on your on your shoulders of your, like Christine said, you know what I mean? I, I couldn't just turn off the news. I had to continue reading because guess what? I was the one who had to have the answer. And I'm not gonna lie. Yes, I did have a breaking point, and I did, and I and I and I'm I'm, I'm humbled to admit to it. You know what I mean? Um, where uh, my colleagues saw that, and it was in a in a meeting where I was like, guys, we have to ensure this is for everybody's safety. You know what I mean? And I'm not gonna lie, right now, currently, and I'm admitting to it. You know, I mean, I, I have thanked her many times, but I would have not able to have gone through this. You know, what I mean, as far as the we 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 worked almost over sixty five days straight. That's, That's two straight. months. Yes. Wow. Like through weekends, and I'm telling you, twelve plus hours. So when people are like. Oh my God, I can't breathe with this mask and et cetera. Uh, welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. And having to be the no go to know of everything, just constantly being, you know what I mean? I would go to sleep still thinking of processes, of techniques, everything that I had to do. And did it take a toll? Yes. But I really, and I want to take take this time you know what i mean this person on my right like seriously it, 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 i would have not able to have succumbed to overcome it i mean her constant um dedication because honestly that's what it took and also the weight of that we had that we are the ones caring for our borderland our children in our borderland so with more stress you have on your shoulders because the last thing you want is a kid yeah, I mean, getting infected or died from it, unfortunately, and it's unfortunate, you know what I mean, uh, it, 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 well, it's happened, you know what I mean, and it's not because of lack of trying or, you know what I mean, it's just the nature of the beast, but that was, re it's really hard, you know what I mean, I was barely able to take some time off this past November for Thanksgiving, I mean, that went two years, and Christine hasn't, you know what I mean, we were both in the same predicament, that we were like, we can't take vacation because that means that we leave behind things that need to be accounted for like the ppe the screening you know i mean all those things you know what i mean uh we need to make sure that we were constantly on the go every single day there was no sick days at all for us at all and we would just have to keep each other's uh, you know i mean pat ourselves in the back and be like you know what one of the this we're doing it for for not only ourselves but also for our patients and for our family members one of the great things that christine gave me an example and 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 it was great to hear it on the hallways when any new hires would come from other facilities it was great to see be like they would tell you you know what coming to work here i feel 
very safe. Just those simple words, for me, it was like, okay, I guess it's so worth my my craziness, me stressing, pulling my hair out, you know what I mean, that kind of thing, the endless nights. I guess it was worth it, you know what I mean? Because if I could help and prevent one infection and death, for me, that's already a win. But, wow. yeah, it, it took a toll. I, Thank it, you for sharing. And the worst thing is, I mean, it's still with the spikes and everything no Simon no, it's come oh thank god that's over and we're just looking back yeah. uh, we should have definitely had this conversation way sooner because again as someone that doesn't interact with um with covid or or doesn't see this on a daily basis mm -hmm. news friends family whatever we choose to to watch or to listen to and again thinking as far as not that i have a large audience at all it's not my mama, my tia, to be honestly in the like 20 times <laughs> but the truth is that I'm thinking, how can we help? You know, about the mask, about the vaccines. And, and you're absolutely right that, but I mean, okay, I'm not there. I can't like volunteer to, to be frontline, so relájate. But what can I really do if I'm serious about like helping a little bit, you know? Because again, maybe my little help uh, combined with others, we can make a big difference and it has, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it's it just that as far as like when, when you guys are talking about this, I'm like, Manches, and then I still have friends talking about the mask, how like getting upset at a, uh, at a place because they asked for a mask. Cállate, tonto. Like, bro, there's there's people like really having to go through hard things and you put in your mask, even though you don't want it, even though whatever you believe, like it's just so stupid. I think one of the important things is being willing to learn and being willing to listen, regardless of what your beliefs are. Um, a, a lot of times, maybe it's just the human in us that like to give our opinions about things, which is fine. Everybody's absolutely entitled to opinions. But I think making sure that you have researched the information, making sure that you understand both sides, right? Why, why does someone feel that way? Why does someone um, think that way before giving your opinion is, is super important. Mm -hmm. Definitely. How about you, Christy? Was there ever a breaking point que decías, like, that you question what you were doing there y a lo mejor mandar todo a la fregada? Um, I don't... I, I get... I don't know. We got a lot of good food. People kept bringing donuts. <laughs> people kept bringing burritos. Thank you to all the people that kept bringing stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it got frustrating. I think one of the things with me that I always contemplate, um, and I guess it still is... And I'm sure every single mother goes through this. I'm, I'm absolutely not the only one is, you know, am I sacrificing my own kids? You know what I mean? Am I sacrificing my own kids to protect other people's kids to where I'm positive I see other people's kids way more than I see my own kids? And so kind of finding that balance and, and making sure that I want my kids to understand that you know, this is for them because I, at the end of the day, the reason I do what I do is because the day after tomorrow, if they were to ever need um, hospital care, if they were to ever need to go to an ICU, I want to know that they're going to go to the best um, pediatric ICU, the best children's hospital in the region. So making sure that they know that this is for them because I want to make sure that you and the kids in your community have the best. Correct. Yeah. Because I'm not going to get tired of just saying thank you because you guys like are, are there, right? It's one thing to say, okay, to call you out or anything, but you guys are and there. We're, in we're the not fight. the only ones. Oh, so, of course. Yeah, so it's, just, it's, it, it, it takes a village. Yeah. yeah. It takes a village. And, and, and we're all day in, day out 
you know what I mean, over the weekends, you know what I mean, we still have huddles, calls, you know what I mean, because we need to make sure that we can't take off uh, the pedal off the gas. Yeah, relax or anything. And because if not, then we get to where we're at, you know what I mean, and that's what happened overall, you know what I mean, we took off that, we took our guard down and look at where we're at. Wow, as I was doing my research, I checked that um, front line, workers just like yourself especially especially you guys you're at least twice as likely more twice as likely to get sick of get COVID, right Mm -hmm. are you guys worried about yourselves your family i think we mentioned a little bit but what are some um, additional precautions that you guys are taking or are you guys a little bit more worried than me like the 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 regular person that doesn't interact with COVID on a daily basis i'm actually super lucky in the sense that my family um they just listened. I don't know. I got super lucky. I, I sent my kids with my mom. Um, and my mom was awesome. She took care of them. They're obviously back now. But when the vaccines came out, they were absolutely not hesitant to get vaccinated. We have like the Thea group text, right? We're like the Thea's and the cousins. So when I saw things starting to get bad, if you remember, I predicted the toilet paper thing. He no. did. I totally predicted yeah. the toilet yeah, paper you did. thing. You did. I was like, no, that's a that's we... a clip I'm gonna post as well. I predicted that. No, she did. I was like, tell me like, why. Go, go tell me cut. why, because I don't get it. So you perhaps know why. Because I just thought people are going to have to stay home and they're like they're gonna need toilet paper. So go buy toilet paper before <laughs> they all buy it. And none of us run out because, and yes. so I text my Thea's like, I, I know that this is going to be big. This is going to be really big. You guys need to get toilet paper, stay home, don't leave your house. And my family luckily was really good about listening. So um, I don't want to jinx us, but we. Should we get toilet listening. paper again? I think you should always. Oh, have that's not the answer. See or yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we'll get to that point again. Okay. Unfortunately, and it's on. Unf- we won't get there because as far as the repercussions that cause an economy. Yeah, we see that. With and, the, and it comes to the point mm-hmm. that that's a main driver overall. And Even, you know, that weighed heavy on me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, apart from all the crazy stress of the hospital and that, knowing that people were without jobs, knowing that people weren't getting checks, knowing that mm-hmm. there was people in our community that 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 stressed me out a lot too to be honest with you to, to me at least the people that i interact with like this yeah yo well you know where i work right and they were very lenient and and a lot of benefits for people just saying hey i'm taking care of someone and over someone like not really being sick, but being out for months, it be getting paid. So I saw a lot of the abuse. Correct. You know, like really, like oh my god. Well, again, that's just a personal choice you take. And and what what helped me to think is like if they're really doing that, they have bigger issues at home. You know, yeah. like that's I would okay. It's not only that they're like they have bigger issues if you feel okay taking advantage like that way. But bueno, yeah, my, 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 my thing. But I also saw the the opposite. A lot of people, especially like with businesses that they got, they were able to get a lot of loans, a lot of um, a lot of money, even better than what they were before. Y yo, because of the way I set it up, y los inmigrantes que tenía de China, whatever it was, like I wasn't able to uh, um, get qualified, approved for many of those. Like, I'm like, oh, really? Are you doing that? But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There was those people that really, really, of, of course, were in need because of this. And definitely thinking about that, I think that's extra motivation for you to, hey, I want that there, whatever you're, you're maybe uh, going through. So 
I think we were like, oh my gosh, let's just hurry up and get through this because I want them to be able to open up and make money. And it was stressful knowing that all these, at least for me, knowing all these businesses were closed and people were without eating. And even right now, like my hair salon, which I don't do hair, but I mean, I explain you guys kind of like the business model. There's weeks that are really good, and there's some weeks, you know, you know, and, and of course, it, it, it um, there's a, a direct correlation between spikes, people that say, I mean, with COVID still there. So, like, oh, as a business owner, thank God I have another job that I can go out and, and, and help um, in case I need. But la verdad, like, I can just imagine people that really depend on, on, on customers, and, and just because yeah. a CDC or something happened, or even there's spikes, que crees? everyone suffers one way or another but again we have the direct impacts well again you guys will see and, and see the direct impact when again the spikes or everything else that's mm-hmm. going on but when yeah. señores um what's the biggest lesson that you have again on a personal level that you um that you're taking away from covid not that it's going away but so far what's the biggest lesson that you guys have taken from all this mess from this pandemic for me, it's how amazing our community is. I think this, I've always really loved El Paso and that's why I do what I do and that's why it has motivated me to stay in the community and to support um, our local children's hospital. But um, I, I feel like our city is so unique and I wish that people took more pride in that. We have been through so much. So the children's, you know, the hospital where we're at, Think of the influx of migrants that absolutely affected us because all of a sudden we had an influx of little kids, you know, coming to us and we've been able, and I'm not even going to use the word adapt because we didn't adapt. We were able to do things that other cities absolutely could not have done and support them and be super empathetic and loving to these immigrants. And then the August 3rd shooting happened. And one of my favorite stories about where we work is that when we got there, we didn't have to call staff. There was no point where we were like, guys, call in additional nurses because there's going to be influx of, like, our staff just showed up. Like, they knew, we're they didn't, it. we didn't have to make phone calls like, hey, can you come because we're going to need help. They heard that that happened and they just showed up. They ran towards the crisis um, on August 3rd. So that was super amazing. Um, and then for this to happen and the outpouring of support that we had, um, was super special. So the lesson I learned is that our community can overcome anything. Nice. That's good. That's really motivating, especially when you're feeling down and you know there's support from other people. Nice. Mm-hmm. How about you, Senor Jose Luis? Oh, this is a hard one. Um, well, um, our community... Looking as far as what we had done or what had uh, transpired in the previous year and knowing that we could come together overall to really let's take that uh, peak down. You know what I mean? Let's stop being a hot spot. Even though it was challenging of, of, of having to stop seeing our loved ones so we were able to um, slow down that curve. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and one thing that I do as far as, I guess, from my perspective, as far as infection prevention, is that that, um, like, confianza, what's, how do you say confianza? Trust. Trust, oh. that, exactly. That trust in our, in, in our healthcare community, uh, as far as, like, the general population. You yourself said it, we're over 
vaccination rate. And for everybody to be like, hey, you know what? Once this becomes available, let's get vaccinated. And that's what's going to help us become that little utopia. You know what I mean? As far as being able to really get it down. Now, we just need to continue on that momentum. And uh, lesson learned for me is just making sure that I continue to be that educator for that general public. Being that chicken little. <laughs> um, because that's what I'm known for, right? Being that chicken little, not only for our the organization where I work at, but also for the community. Um, any opportunity that I have to educate the general public, by all means, you know what I mean? That's something that um, I think made a very big difference and impact. Maybe just for those individuals I was able to vaccinate. And that was one example that um, uh, you brought up in one of the... the, the um, the meetings meetings that you had as far as the safety safety that you know i mean how many families were able to impact that healthcare workers did not take covid to their homes automatically how many abuelitas were able to save because of our due diligence of being that uh, you could say stringent or I don't, I don't know you know i mean that dedicated um so that for me is a lesson learned um Never did I think that I was going to go as an infection preventionist, go through a pandemic. You know, I mean, it was unheard of. Again, 100 years it happened, but now here we are again and in hopes that we could see the end of the tunnel. But we all have to do our part. That's that's the general practice on this. That's nice. the thing that we have to learn. We have to do our part, every single one of us. That's my next question before I ask you my last question. Thank you so much for the time, by the way. Uh -huh. What can we do? Regular people that, again, regular people to help out. What is it that we can do? Just snacks. continue on our map? Snacks. 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 Okay. Drop off snacks at the hospital. Okay. <laughs> that was the we best can help part. With that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, Mas, what can we do? I think be willing to learn, be willing to listen, um, really understanding that, you know, we don't go into these professions to harm people we don't go into these professions absolutely nobody would do this for any other reason than the love of serving others yeah. so being willing to understand that maybe you're not the expert just because you read an article in, on instagram being willing to be open to information and trusting experts mm -hmm. i like that Senor José Luis, to you have another thing that maybe the again everyday person like myself can do to help a little bit getting reliable sources uh, don't like you said it pretty perfect right just because you read an instagram story or a thing automatically that makes you an infection preventionist uh, or or a scientific expert because down the road that information that then you yourself without having to fact check it is uh, misinformation and it could lead to very uh, it could be a, like a, the butterfly it can effect lead to other actions that of course are gonna in the then, future exactly yeah. then people are gonna may not have the sources or may not have access to it and they're gonna believe that as truth and unfortunately it could lead to bad consequences and I think that that's one of the things that's happened right now with the current situation we've gone away with actually you know what I mean uh, believing on the scientific community, uh, the healthcare community, and versus making it a very political 
uh, aspect when we have to just look at the science. Um, there's vast research. We've all done it. You know, I mean, anybody that's like you said in this profession is because we we want to do it to serve the better. You know, what I mean, uh, um, we're not doing it out of malice. And so, please uh, give us that opportunity to educate you correctly, because down the line, we want to make sure that we prevent from you coming to our, our hospital. You know, what I mean, um, in a bad state. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, think about it. Just logistically, think about it. That's more work for us. You yeah. know what I mean? Overall. And and not that we don't want to work. You know what I mean? But it's it's a work that can be easily prevented. You know what I mean? Right now, all the people, the majority of the ones that are sitting in our ICU, vented, just because they didn't want to get vaccinated. And then, let me put it in, in, in a bigger context. Now, if you let's say you have a loved one that now suffers a car accident, heart attack. Guess what? That bed is not available mm-hmm. because of somebody that they read a Facebook page that said vaccination, you're getting a chip. Now that bed is being occupied by somebody because they they didn't want to do it. Now your family, your loved one that is requiring that bed, guess what? They're yeah. in a waiting line. Wow. So, you know I mean, that's, that's the balance that you want to make sure that do not do a life-threatening decision based on something that is false, erroneous. You know what I mean? Because it could lead to very a negative impact, and that can be reversed. Those are really good from both of you. Thank you so much. Now, Christy, by the way, before I ask you a last question, you should know. By the way, Christy um, told me that she has watched most of the episodes, if not all, and I'm like, oh my god! I feel like, thank you so much yeah. for that alone. Um, but you know that the last question is usually one thing you like about El Paso, one thing you would like to change. Mm-hmm. I want to, of course, tailor a little bit um, to the pandemic. And you guys have talked about it as far as one thing that El Pasoans have done right. Um, but give us something that we need to improve on. And again, you guys already said maybe the sources, maybe not believing everything. Um, you already also talked a little bit of the things that we have done right. Is there anything else um, that, that, that maybe we can include on that last piece of um, that question? On what El Paso could do better. So the thing that I would say is um, really, I, I wish El Paso was more grateful of their community. I wish that we appreciated what we had more. Sometimes I um, I hate when people start trashing El Paso or start talking bad about El Paso. Oh, don't get me started on that yes. for, yeah. for sure. Because I'm like, Oh, you know, I don't think you realize all the amazing things that we have and the people, the people are amazing. Um, so I wish that we were more protective of our community. And when we go out and we make these decisions about our health, that we think about the community around us and we do it to serve others. Perfect. Well said. Another reason why I'm doing this as well. Because, again, there's so many great things, so many great people like yourself. Now, that's why I'm taking a little bit longer to do the, the podcast as well. Because I don't just want to highlight people with, with like, a lot of followers or business owners with a lot of money. I really want to serve a little bit for this to serve as recognition for someone that deserves it. You guys fully deserve it. Your peers as well um, really deserve for everything that you guys do. And I 100% mean it. And we thank you for giving us this opportunity and platform to be able to provide this information. Of course. Anytime. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Uh, no. No. I, <laughs> 
I don't know, but again, guys, thank you so much. Again, you have heard me say that again. And again, I, I really mean it not only for your time, but what you do for your family members as well, because the truth is that this requires a lot of effort and you guys are the first, the frontline soldiers right there. So again, thank you so much. And everybody, nos vemos. Adios. Thank you. Bye-bye.